Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to mini episode 71 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? I have got four lovely listener stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 3rd of July 2020. Are you ready? I am ready. What? Yeah. <laughs> Give me them stories. Wow, who are you? And story number one comes from Jen. I've encountered the paranormal for as long as I can remember. While most kids were telling ghost stories they've heard from others, I was sharing tales of my own, and often wasn't believed. Like most people, I tend to see things out of the corner of my eye. I know this can easily be disproved, but there never seems to be anything that can take the shape of what I originally saw. That said, there have been a good handful of experiences where there was no denying what I saw or felt. These are the stories that I would like to share with you. The first encounter I can remember happened when I was around 10. It was an early morning on a weekend. I used to share my bedroom with my sister and she had woken me when she got out of the top bunk to go to the washroom. I need to say right away that there was a window on the wall behind our bed. That is to say there was nothing but bright sunshine streaming into our second story bedroom. So there I was, laying in bed, when all of a sudden I see a dark figure standing in front of our closed closet door facing into the sunshine. Now when I say dark figure, I mean I could see the entire silhouette of this man-shaped thing, but there were no identifiable features. I could not see a face, only blackness. As a child, the only logical thing I could do was scream and throw the blankets over my head. As I did this, I could see the motion of this thing running past me and towards the wall with the window behind me. My mother and sister came running into the room to see me panicked, freaking the fuck out. Needless to say, my Catholic mother was throwing holy water in the corners of my room in no time, saying the Lord's Prayer and trying to do what she could to ease my anxiety and protect me from whatever the hell that was. I'm 33 years old. And as I write this, I can still see the image of my old room with that thing in it, as if it happened 10 seconds ago. When I say there was nothing but sun coming into our room, I mean it. Yet even with all that light, I was still able to see this dark thing, which was blacker than black and without question was watching me. This isn't the only time I've seen this kind of thing in my life. A few years ago, I was back at my parents after a breakup. They were living in a different home at the time. One night I woke up at some point and my eyes were met with this black figure standing at the foot of my bed. Again there were no features 
and it seemed to be just standing there watching me. I quickly turned on all the lights and switched my TV on, but I didn't sleep much that night. There have been other times where I've seen a dark shadow moving across the room I'm in, but no way to explain it away. I met my husband over three years ago, and we moved in together after only nine months of dating. We live in a basement apartment, with my in-laws upstairs, which isn't ideal, but we are a young couple trying to save up. Before I moved in, I did get a sense about the place, as I sometimes do, and after I moved in, my senses were confirmed. There have been many times in a straight line of sight where I have seen a black shadow moving across the room. Another time, I was walking from the living room to the kitchen and I saw a black mass on the ceiling of our bathroom. I saw this black mass while the lights were on and it was just there chilling on the ceiling. I didn't want to give it power by acknowledging it so I walked past and hoped for the best. Spoiler alert, I survived. Another time while living in my current home, I had my back to the room while I was cutting food on the corner counter. You know that feeling you get when you can sense someone behind you? Well, I got that feeling, and I felt someone stomp on the floor directly in front of me. Without thinking anything else, I turned around with a smile on my face, expecting to see my husband smiling back at me, proud that he was able to sneak up and make me jump. However, nobody was there. More than that, I immediately reflected on the experience and realised that I only felt the stomp. I never heard it. Again, I feel the need to suggest that I can't explain this experience away. Our floors are very sturdy with thick tiles. They never creak, feel like they give way under you or have any other features that make me question their durability or stability. I don't know what it is about me that allows me to see and feel them. I have more experiences than I can count, from having electronics go on and off without prompting, to, as a teenager, going a solid month of feeling the weight of someone sitting on my legs while I tried to fall asleep. As a side note, I later learned that my sister had the same experience, but when it stopped for her, it started for me. And believe it or not, my stories don't even compare to hers. Now this is undoubtedly a very... Uh, scary experience for Jen however there's one element of this story that I feel like you would not have a problem with and I feel like someone sitting on your legs as you're trying to fall asleep you'd probably find quite comforting wouldn't you yeah I love a good waist blanket so I'd be fine with that I did when I was reading this story right I was thinking about how some people clearly can see whatever these shadow figures are do these things know that certain people can see them or are they bopping around watching everybody and then they get a fright when certain people can see them that is a very good question and to answer i'd like to refer to my scientist friend i doctor i don't know oh yes the famous doctor i don't know yeah Yeah. um i have no idea i would think it's probably a little bit of both because i'd imagine they do a bit of bopping around when they first become entities and then when they have an encounter with someone that they know they realize can see them they probably stick around that person for a little bit longer my biggest issue with this story is the image of seeing a black mass on your ceiling in broad daylight or bright light and just being able to carry on your business without falling down dead out of shock which is probably what i'd do it's quite a it's quite a traumatic image really isn't it i just i'm fascinated by these dark figures it's like the hat man like what are what is your purpose what do you want 
don't come and personally answer that question to me. I'd prefer if you sent an email or wrote it down, Hatman, if you're listening. I don't need a visitation. But I just, like, what what is the point? That's what I'm interested in. Because you know you have ghosts that are, like, residual energy. They're reliving an echo. Or you have aliens who are, like, abducting people. Or you have cryptids who are just living living their lives as cryptids. What is the point of shadow people? I propose to you that me and you have a very different level of eyesight in the natural world i need glasses you have good vision what if being able to see these entities is very similar and so people that see black shadows are the people that haven't quite got full vision and people that see full-blown apparitions have the ability to be able to see more clearly oh i don't know maybe and then people like me are spiritually blind and see nothing (laughs) it's maybe it's about how well adjusted your third eye is I don't know what the test would be to get your third eye tested. Would it be like, instead of reading letters, you're like Mothman, 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 Bigfoot, and they just get smaller as you go along, you know, just pictures. I think that's what it should be if it isn't. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And story number two comes from Porter. In February of 2016, in Santa Cruz, California, I was serving as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We were the young men and women with name tags reading Elder So-and-So or Sister So-and-So who went door to door inviting people to learn about Jesus Christ. What most people don't realise is that most of these missionaries are 18 to 20 years old, newly graduated from school and just moved out of the house. They're just kids. And at the time of this story I was only 19. We worked in pairs, each of us having a companion who we worked with for two to four months at a time. I lived with my companion, who was from Idaho, and two other elders, one from the Philippines and one from Japan, but who grew up in the States. The four of us had a good time living on our own together. When we weren't proselytising, we were at home horsing around, playing board games, off on some small adventure hiking or exploring the city. Sometimes we liked to tell scary stories, stories of possession or ghosts or demons. There were always rumours of happenings amongst missionaries. We believed we were aided by God, so of course Satan would try his best to keep us from doing the work. So we were all superstitious and somewhat afraid of malintended spirits. 
But this story isn't about malintended spirits or any kind of spirits. This story is about something we saw late one night on the beach. Something whose image sends pins and needles down my spine to the arch of my feet. It was my companion's last day as a missionary before he would fly home the next day and move on with his regular life. So we decided to celebrate. We picked up some soda and played the game Risk for most of the night. At some point in the night I had crashed, probably from the disgusting amount of Mountain Dew I had just sucked down, and I slept for a few hours. The next thing I remember was my companion from Idaho and the elder from Japan busting down the door in a pant. I saw the fear in their eyes. I sat up on the sofa and asked what had happened and where they had been. It was a violation of mission rules to be out of the apartment so late in the night and it's another violation for one companion to leave his or her companion even if it's with another missionary. What they tried to explain was that after me and the Filipino missionary had fallen asleep, they decided they would like to take a walk on the beach. And as they had made their way to the breakwater directly adjacent with Capitola village, they saw something at the edge of their vision. Something sitting silently and unmoving on the rocks beyond the sand past the water. I stated to them that I did not believe them, but that we should go back immediately and with a camera, so that's what we did. Santa Cruz may be a relatively small city for the Bay Area, but the place is always alive. But for some reason, that night, I didn't hear a damn thing. And even weirder, we were the only ones out. There were always cars driving around with their music banging and the homeless people loudly pushing the shopping carts up and down the streets or girlfriends yelling at their boyfriends a few doors down. But nothing. Nothing but the wind moving past my ears as I pedalled down the street. I remember realising how strange this was and how it gave me the chills. Maybe I didn't want to see whatever was waiting for us on the beach. And I could see there was some hesitation in the others as well. We silently pulled up to the beach, gently lay our bikes on the ground, and made our way through the sand to the breakwater. The fog, as was typical in the bay, moved in thick sheets, hovering just over the ground, making it impossible to see what was just in front of you. Only until the blanket of fog passed, and for a short moment you could see everything ahead of you. The others had abruptly stopped. The fog had lifted again, and the breakwater was now visible, but only barely. The moon was nowhere to be seen, and the light from Monterey across the water was the only thing illuminating the rocks. But still I didn't see anything. I looked at the other two and saw that their eyes were fixed on something directly ahead. I moved closer, and there, just beyond me, I saw it. The light from Monterey permitted me to see a chilling silhouette. A hairless, bulbous head, erected by a small neck, balanced delicately on narrow shoulders. What was I seeing? I stood motionless but my heart pounded. I waited to see if it would move, when just moments later it shifted in its spot, like one might shift weight after sitting in a position for too long. Whatever it was, it was alive. I couldn't decide what to do next, when suddenly I remembered the small digital camera in my jacket pocket. I would get a picture 
but I would need to get closer. I slowly turned to the other two missionaries who were like statues in the sand. With the waves crashing and the ambiance of the ocean breeze, my movements in the sand were silent, and I made my way to where the breakwater met the sand and began to climb the small pile of rocks where it sat. I was closer than I dare ever go, and so I reached into my pocket for the camera. I powered it on, aimed, and shot a photo. My eyes, which had adjusted to the moonless night, were blinded by the light that had reflected off the rocks between me and the creature. And for a moment I stood like a deer in headlights. If it didn't already know I was there, it sure as hell knew now. It had not occurred to me what I might do after giving away my position, and I began to be very afraid. When my eyes had acclimatised back to the dark, I saw it, now standing and facing me. I turned and ran for dear life. I could not see its face, but still only its silhouette. It was short in stature, skinny and disproportionate to human scale. I did not take the time to note all of the details of its anatomy, but the last thing I remember noticing were its incredibly long arms hanging down to where its knees would have been. It wore no clothes. We rode hard after that, all the while imagining a creature sprinting after us, but it didn't chase us, whatever it was. My impression now is that it was thinking or meditating and we disturbed its peace. I still don't know what it was, but I will say the bay between Monterey and Santa Cruz is a hot spot for UFO sightings, and you can make of that what you will. Full disclosure, that is my first time reading that story, because when Porter emailed it, he sent the title, which was Alien on the Beach, and he sent two images, and the first thing I saw were the images, and I have never opened that email again until... I, I didn't even read it when I... I copied it together for this episode. So thank God it was well written because otherwise we would have been in a bit of a conundrum. Yeah, I'm traumatised. And uh, do you want to see the pictures? That's the big question. Yeah, I obviously do because this is very clearly an alien and I'm here for it. Just obviously uh, the pictures will be posted on all of our social medias in case anybody's wondering. So keep an eye out for them. Uh, Are you ready to see them? Okay, so there are two pictures. The one that I'm showing you right now is the one where the contrast has not been changed. Can you describe what you're seeing and what your feelings are about it? I can't even look at it. So there is the 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 rocks are very clear at the front and they're quite, you know, you can see them very clearly and then there's sort of a fainter rock outline and sitting on one of the rocks is an alien. <laughs> I can see it without the contrast being changed. Like that is a sensational photo. I mean, you could, I guess at this contrast, you could, you could potentially suggest that it's just the way the light has caught off of other rocks, but it is very intriguing. The thing I will say about, you could say it's the way the light that has caught off other rocks, and um, ordinarily I would be desperate to disprove a picture like this, but there's nothing there that you would be taking a picture of if, like, if the alien or whatever the, whatever the heck that is wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it... Just look at the contrasted photo. And again, I'm not saying this is what Porter's done, but you could, you know, you may have taken a photo at night time of your friend in a similar position and then gone to yourself when you've looked at the photos. Oh, that's kind of creepy. I wonder what it would look like if I shot empty space and then you've got something. 
Oh, so yeah, just because that's a, that's a chance in a million, though, isn't it? But for me, there's very clearly uh, shoulders and a head turned away from the camera, so not looking. It's very intriguing. It's very intriguing. The other thing is that I will say is that you can almost see where the the rocks go out and round, so where they work back on themselves in the background, which again makes that anomaly anomaly. How do you say it? Anomaly. Anomaly even more anomalous because sure let's go with that you can see the do you see what i mean you can see the coastline going around the back so the natural formation of the rocks whereas the the head and shoulders come up above that line so if you look do you see what yes. i mean yeah. and there is also a lot of texture i mean we're describing these photos they are going to be online but for people who aren't on social media there is a lot of texture to the rocks and they're very jagged whereas this is a smooth whatever the heck it is so i'm going to show you the contrasted version so that's the version with the contrast up. Okay, so everything I said about what it could be <laughs> is very clearly disproved by the thing with the contrast up because you can see the rocks around it. <laughs> and then there is a thing. I think you agree with me. In the contrast up, you can see much more clearly that coastline that I was babbling on about a minute ago. Do you see what I mean? Like yeah. You can see it around there. And this thing is so different in colour and, con- and contrast compared to the whatever it's sitting on. Oh man, that gives me Dear David vibes. You know? I was literally just about to say that looks like that is that is Dear Davidy. Like that looks that has serious Dear David vibes. Whatever it is, it's the bulbous head, isn't it? Because like I know greys have a bulbous head, but it's not like your stereotypical drawing of a grey with a bulbous head, is it? Sorry, can you stop talking about greys like they're a real thing? Stop that! No, <laughs> we all know they are. Um, but yeah, nice and clear, nice and clear uh, clears up any. Oh, that is odd. That is really odd. Isn't it? It just... So I'm going to put the photos online, obviously, like I said, and you can make your own decisions about it. But I I just find the whole thing very bizarre. I don't... I mean, the thing is, we presume that if aliens exist in the way that like movies and like alleged abductees and whatever tell us they do, we also kind of assume that they will behave in a, in a human-like way. And... I mean, maybe maybe it was like looking out to sea and being meditative, whatever the heck it was. Maybe it wasn't an alien. Like maybe it was something else that we don't. Either way, I hate this. I hate all of it. I can't cope with it. Could this be a mermaid? If that's a mermaid, then Disney has really done us dirty with getting our expectations up with Ariel. <laughs> the Disney narrative of what a mermaid is compared to the sort of sailors' accounts of mermaids are very different. But I think the sailors' accounts of mermaids are often mis- like mistaken identity right you've got manatees and stuff that from a distance look like a woman on a rock would well, you remember when we did that patreon episode about mermaids in zimbabwe where they're a very real very dangerous entity and not remotely little mermaidy at all so maybe maybe it is something aquatic that we just don't know what it is do you feel slightly sorry for whatever this is because i do because i feel like it's sort of wistful no I don't feel sorry for it I really don't feel sorry for it did I feel sorry for E.T. when he was in that creek all dusty and and dehydrated no I didn't I kind of hoped that would be the end of it to be honest I kind of thought I've had enough of this so no I don't feel sorry for alien boy wistfully sitting on a rock not interested but he's been sitting there for ages because Porter's you know Porter's companion saw him came back to the house got Porter Porter went out back to see him and he was still there maybe he was injured maybe he was really upset about something just thinking about alien things. Maybe he got dumped. Maybe he did. 
You never know, maybe he's being really emo. And story number three comes from Ali. Right off the bat, I'll tell you that my entire family is pretty much sensitive to spirits and the paranormal. We're also pretty devout Catholics in certain respects. Even though I might not show up every Sunday and I definitely don't drink the wine because I'm not going to get somebody else's mono. So we also believe that we see our spirit guides and even angels. My entire life I have had experiences with spirits. As a child my mom remembers hearing me carry on a conversation with my recently deceased uncle. When she came to see who I was talking to I was alone in my high chair and was waving and saying goodbye while looking out the kitchen window. However, as I got older, I pretty much turned off that part of my brain. We were often told that it is wrong to see or hear things and that it's weird. And even though I tried for years to ignore it, from time to time I still saw flashes and shadows as well as hearing things. Fast forward to my senior year of high school. We had redecorated our house on a dime a few years prior, as my mom's best friend loved interior design and saw thrifting as a sport. She had picked up this gorgeous clock mirror with a gold frame and it hung on our new entryway and honestly, I pretty much used it every day as I ran out of the house to school. Little did I know, it actually set off an entire chain of events that lasted for a year. Around this time, I started to notice things of mine showing up in places that were just odd. I mean, my foundation in my nightstand... I had a maximum of five minutes to throw my face on when I was in high school, so I needed all of my accoutrements close to hand. We also noticed pictures would be knocked over, and I started feeling tugs on my shirt. And then we started hearing whistling in the house. A gift neither me or my mom have, even though we try, goddammit. One day, I smelled a particular lilac-y old-timey perfume smell through the house. At this time in my life, I strictly wore Ed Hardy perfume, as that is what all the gals on the Jersey Shore wore, and my mom wore Chanel, which is a pretty recognisable perfume. The smell disappeared after a while, but then even more tangible things started happening around the house. My mom and I, even though we were super close, would get into arguments. I mean, I was 17 or 18, so of course I'm going to fight with my mom. After one of the arguments, my mom went into the basement to find all the light bulbs blown out, straight out of the sockets. After what felt like months of things coming to a head, my mom called a psychic for answers. And sure enough, we had a spirit in the house. She was an older woman, short, in 1890s clothing, and had her hair in a tight bun. She took a liking to me, as something of mine, we think it was my eyes, reminded her of her daughter. Her daughter had died a pretty traumatic death around my age, and we also think this had to do with her attachment to me. When we asked about the smell that was in the house, it turns out that was her daughter coming through to essentially get her mom to cross over. However, her mom, who I named Esther, decided to stay. A friend of mine is a sensitive, and throughout this entire time had also been giving me guidance. She said that Esther was staying with me until I fulfilled some goal, whatever that goal might be. Hindsight is 2020, and I can say that she stayed with me that year as I grew into my spiritual development. I now see her as a sort of life coach, trying to guide me during what was honestly a very scary time. 
All of a sudden, I was seeing and hearing things that I hadn't experienced since I was a child, and I'm not going to lie, I slept with my mom for weeks on end because I was so scared of what was happening. Esther stayed with me throughout my senior year, making her presence known from time to time. She would tug my uniform shirt into place, and again we would hear her whistling. One day, she opened my mom's bedroom door, and I promptly said, Um, girl, do not do that again. I cannot see that stuff if I want to stay sane. And she obliged. She stayed with me until I graduated, and I have a feeling that's what she wanted me to complete, especially since her daughter probably didn't make it to that life milestone. But back to the mirror. I came to find out through a very trusted medium, the mirror was a portal, and many spirits, not just Esther, had been trapped in there for some time. Prior to Esther, we actually had a little boy and an older man come through our home, but Esther was the one that stuck around. Now, a portal might literally sound like the biggest crock that you've ever heard of, but then my mom and I did some research, and sure enough, we believed that this phenomenon holds water. I would like to preface the following explanation as something coming from someone who doesn't practice, but has a ton of respect and some knowledge of the Jewish tradition. I don't want to be reporting fake news in the next few sentences, so any additional insight research you guys might have would be greatly appreciated. In the Jewish tradition, when someone dies, they cover all the mirrors. From my understanding, this is a twofold tradition. On the one hand, mirrors serve as a source of vanity, and thus are covered so someone focuses on the life and death of the recently deceased rather than their own self-regard. On the other hand, based on that lore, many in the Jewish tradition also believe that a soul can be caught in the reflective surfaces and covering a mirror would then prevent that from happening. This tradition of spirits getting caught in glass is prevalent in other European cultures and even here in the US. I live in South Carolina, in the middle of the Gullah Geechee Corridor. The Gullah are a specific group of African Americans who descended from West African slaves and one of the richest cultures that's truly worth a deep dive whenever you get the chance. All around the Gullah Geechee Corridor you'll see bottle trees, which are trees that have blue bottles hanging off them. It is believed that the bottles lure bad spirits into them at night and then in the morning with the sun they are destroyed. So long story short, here's what I believe. One, spirits are absolutely real and can get attached, whether it be to human, a house or a land. And here's another thing. Be cautious when buying or repurposing antiques. We literally bought this mirror that started this whole journey from a home goods. My dad loves to buy from estate sales. And whenever he gets a new piece, I thank the piece for coming into the new home and that we will take care of it. Maybe that just sounds like woo-woo shit, but at least it helps me sleep at night. See, I knew you shouldn't have bought them mirrors. Doesn't matter how pretty they are. I knew you were going to bring up the mirrors. Ugh. I this this you know I like this story, but it also confirms all my fears and beliefs about mirrors even further. I've actually heard about the mirrors being covered before, obviously from what you've told me about some Irish Catholic condition conditions. <laughs> That's not traditions. Yeah, I think some Irish Catholic family, I mean, my family never did. So I don't know if it's like a regional Catholic thing. Um, but I know families that I that I know um, have, they cover mirrors when people belonging to them die. We've never done it in our family because I know the tradition of us waking our dead and bringing the bodies home is is sometimes quite shocking for people. Um, but I know there are some 
Irish Catholic families who bring the body home, but they also cover all the mirrors in the house for a, a certain period of time after the person has died and it's so their soul doesn't get trapped basically that's that's the whole point of it i did look up about the jewish traditions as well because i actually have a very little idea about um jewish traditions so it was really interesting to look up and it what like a part of it's about not about vanity about giving all of your time and all of yourself to grieving and then the other part of it is about you know is is about reflective surfaces and and people's souls which is Amazing how that tradition has crossed religions, crossed cultures, crossed... It's almost like there's something to it, eh? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you've... I know you did it for me, but I'm so glad that you've hung them facing away from us in the studio. Yeah, because you wouldn't let me put them up in the house, that's why. I would have loved to have put them up in the house, but I didn't have the option to. Also, if I pronounced the Gullah Geechee tradition wrong, I'm really sorry. Uh, but uh, also that that almost was a very deep rabbit hole, which I will definitely fall into at some point because it was incredible looking it up. This is one of the things that I love about this podcast, right? Because today I learned stuff about the Church of the Latter-day Saints and what their missionary actually is and what happens. And 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 it, previously we've learned stuff about the Church of Latter-day Saints too. And I also learned stuff about Jewish traditions around death which I didn't know and I learned stuff about the Gullah Geechee people and putting bottles in trees to trap spirits and I feel like there are other traditions with similar spirit trapping ideas too again almost like mm, there's weight to them I think it's amazing that the spirit that accompanied Ali seemed to just be there until she graduated just to keep her on the right path and make sure she fulfilled that goal there's something very heroes-esque or heroic potentially about that story. It's like a it's like a fantasy story, isn't it? Having your own spiritual guidance. Yeah, just egging you on, trying to yeah. get you to the end. You can do this. And I think then, we all need a bit of that. And imagine if that's that's all she had to do and then she passed over. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. I'm sorry that you, you brought a portal into your house and it was a mirror. Less amazing. Mm. Although you don't seem too bad, I mean you've but you've handled it pretty well, and you got a cheerleader out of it, so that's pretty cool. Lilac is one of my favorite smells in the world, by the way. So uh, I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah, if I, was I want, that actually, if I want a ghost it. to come along into my world, smell making the house smell like a lilac. I, do you know what? It wouldn't be a bad haunting. I'd be pretty happy with it. And story number four comes from Rhiannon. I was about ten or eleven when this happened. It was a normal night. I got ready for bed and said goodnight to my parents who were still watching TV downstairs. Being 10 or 11, I was still scared of the dark and needed the toilet light on, which was just outside my bedroom door. I drifted off to sleep normally, waking up around midnight or just after, and for some reason I needed to roll over. And as I rolled over, I looked towards the window and saw a black shadow standing there. I couldn't see his face or what kind of clothes he was wearing, but I knew it was a man and I knew he was looking at me. I froze. But I somehow knew deep down that he wasn't going to hurt me. So I rolled over and went back to sleep. I know, weird. The next morning I woke up thinking it was a dream and went to go to the bathroom but saw that someone or something had ripped the towel rack out of the wall and across the bathroom. The towel racks were metal and would have had to have made some sort of noise, right? 
I asked my parents and they hadn't heard anything, and neither had my brother and sister, and that made chills run down my spine and made me think back to the man, but nothing else happened. My husband and I then moved into my childhood home a few years ago and the activity has gone up since then. Every now and then, I'll also hear loud stomping upstairs, slamming doors, mumbling voices and what sounds like someone grabbing the handrail for the stairs and creaking up the stairs, kind of like someone's peeking around the corner looking at me. I spent most of my childhood up on the Tambourine Mountain, which is an amazing place down near the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. I also grew up very close to my grandfather, who I called Paul. He was a very down-to-earth man who sang, whistled, played piano and told so many stories of the mountain. So when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it ripped me apart. Although he still tried to sing, whistle and tell his stories like none of it was happening. It didn't take long for him to go downhill and he was put in a nursing home. He was 91. It took three months for the cancer to affect the rest of his body, and I went and visited him as much as I could, making the hour and a bit trip up and down the mountain. On the last day I saw him, I told him I loved him, and that it was okay to let go, that we would be okay. I went home with my husband, kept my phone on loud, and tried to get some sleep. In my sleep, I dreamed that Pa and I were just sitting with each other, not saying anything. He looked healthy again, happy and at peace. I hugged him and he hugged back, but it was like he was actually hugging me. I felt the warmth from his body. I was woken up by my mother calling me. It was 12.01 and she had called to tell me that he had just passed away and I felt strangely calm at the news that this man, whom I'd grown up with, wasn't there anymore. There have been times where I'll visit his grave every few months, including the day before my wedding, where I'll sit down on the grass with new flowers and a bee will land on my hand or a butterfly will land on me or on his grave. Since he's passed, I've had other dreams about him and there was this beautiful garden full of trees and blooming flowers. He was there and we just sat together enjoying each other's company. A few days after that dream, my friend was looking up the Garden of Eden and I stopped her in shock. All of the photos, all of the trees, I'd been there and that's where he was taking care of the Garden of Eden. So common, isn't it, to have stories where someone loses a loved one, but before they find out that news in the physical world, they experience something in the spiritual world that's slightly different. Yeah, which is, and I mean, it's a, it's a running theme in the stories that we get, I think, where, like you said, they get some sort of warning or some sort of recognition that that person has passed on, which I think is nice. It's comforting. I've just realised as well that all of our stories today had a religious undertone, but all different religions. And I think that's as somebody who's not religious, I love learning about different religions anyway. And I just felt like, oh, wow, like all these different, all these different faiths who all have kind of like something in common, which is a, a love of ghost stories. Who'd have thought? Interesting. I'm also super impressed by Rhiannon that she was scared of the dark and saw a ghost and just got on with her life yeah that's pretty amazing yeah at at that age as well because like even you know i am 25 years older than she was when she did that and my reaction wouldn't be that calm as a fully grown man no you'd be you'd be making the pajamas out of glow sticks (laughs) so that you'd never have to be in the dark that's what happened to you 
If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can submit your own spooky story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.